Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, our resident epidemiologist says we can take a collective, unmasked breath around COVID. What we're talking about is, you know, just living your life over the summer and wait and see if something new is coming and you start hearing about cases, put your mask back on. She also answers some of your questions. But first, it's our panel on the week that was. With us this week, we have the delightful host of the CityCast Chicago podcast, Jacoby Cochran. Jacoby, hey. Hey, what's up, Greta? I appreciate you having me back. Oh, my gosh. Glad to have you. And here for the first time is Block Club Chicago reporter, Atavia Reed. Atavia, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, good. Okay, so... I think we need to start this week on a slightly more serious note than normal, maybe, by talking about Ukraine. Uh, Russia is continuing its attacks. The U.N. is estimating nearly two million Ukrainians have fled the country. This is obviously a quickly developing and extremely intense and devastating story. Uh, But there have been some pretty heartwarming stories of Ukrainians standing up for their country or people helping refugees as well. Just this morning, I was talking with a couple coworkers about this woman who was tweeting about the fact that like garbage is still getting picked up in Kiev, which I just think is so amazing to think about like those workers who are like, no, we're going to go out and still make sure that people can get their trash picked up. Um, what do you think, Jacoby? Like, have there been any stories from this conflict that, that you found particularly inspiring? Greta, I'm going to do a yes and kind of response. Cool. One of the videos I saw was this woman talking to invading Russian soldiers and and offering them sunflower seeds, Mm. like put them in their pockets. And she said, so when you die on Ukrainian soil, sunflowers bloom as kind of dark and graphic as it was. It it definitely caught my attention. Uh, But my answer is the inspiring story that I've been paying attention to was the efforts that Africans in Ukraine are making to be heard. Because as you said, over 2 million people are fleeing the country, uh, but we've had constant stories. I saw one from Axios uh, yesterday about the prejudice and the discrimination that Africans are facing at the border as they're trying to board trains. Pregnant Mm. African women are being told that they're going to be left behind, even as conductors say they're going to bring on women and children. And so that's something I've really been paying attention to, because I know we've all seen the reporting out of Ukraine and a lot of these reporters really letting a racism fly in the ways that they they talk about uh, war in Ukraine as if it is some anomaly, as if uh, the fact that it's happening in in a European country uh, is so shocking and got people so aghast. Right. You see people calling it a civilized country, things like that. Yes. Pretty awful to hear, for sure. Uh, Atavia, what's striking you? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jacoby. Seeing coverage, you know, of journalists or, you know, people on air using 
racist language or just using things that obviously shows their true colors and how they feel about one group of people who want to, you know, leave versus the other has been shocking um, to say the least. But I think that seeing other reporters or seeing people, you know, use their voice um, to say, hey, no, like you're not going to diminish us. You're not going to let us become a background story or not let our story be told is huge. Um, but I've been paying attention to a lot of stories, a lot of hyper local stories that have been happening in Chicago. And it's been really inspiring to me to see how people are kind of using their creative passions to fuel that into supporting people. Um, you know, you have artists who are dedicating um, proceeds that they receive from their art shows to help people mm -hmm. there. You have Chicago chefs getting together, like, hey, we're gonna cook some meals and all the money we get from this is going to go to supporting people there. That's so dope to me. Yeah, that's really wonderful. So on a very different note, uh, there was an anniversary that kind of uh, caught my attention this week. It's actually the 50-year anniversary of the movie The Godfather mm -hmm. coming out, which is, you know, I mean, a perennial classic, right? This is a movie that I actually have not seen. And most, or at least a lot of people when I tell them that are kind of scandalized, like, you haven't seen The Godfather? <laughs> um, and it's one of those where it's like, I kind of feel like I have seen it just because it's such a huge part of our culture that like, you know, like the leave the gun, take the cannoli thing. It's like, yeah, no, I get, I know it's from the Godfather. I get it. Uh, but it just got me wondering if there are other like kind of classic, maybe cultural touchstone movies that either of you has never seen, but that you still kind of feel like you have just because people talk about them all the time. Atavia, does anything jump out to you? Yeah, um, it's scandalous, but the first Rocky film, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> which is weird because I've seen Rocky too. I've never seen the first Rocky film. I have seen Creed. So, you know, I'm using yeah. that as like context clues. Um, but <laughs> I have never seen it. It's It's bad. But like you could still, you know, like the running up the stairs with the music or whatever, because I haven't seen Rocky either. I also have seen Creed because I will watch anything Michael B. Jordan does, <laughs> especially with all those muscles. <laughs> exactly. Like I know, you know, wearing the full on gray sweatsuit, running up the stairs, running all around Philly. I know that for sure. But if you ask me to quote a line or to <laughs> say anything that happened at a certain mark, blank face, I do not know. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, wait, so I could have been a contender. Is that from Rocky? See, that's Shit. I, Nobody I, knows. I, I wanna, okay, great. I want to well, say so the movies all kind of blend together for me <laughs> at this point. I'm not even going to lie. Well, I mean, how many are there's like at least half a dozen of them if you include the Creed movies, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely more than that. I feel like uh, this. the first one came out in 1976. That is wild. And <laughs> while I have seen, I want to say almost all of them, I definitely have, have missed a few in the cycle. Um, I, there are only a few parts that I really remember. Like, you know, uh, if he dies, he dies. Like, hmm. Adrian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the stairs run, is. but it's mostly just <laughs> montages of this motherfucker working out in random ass places, like just slowly but surely aging more and more with time. And you know, and sh shout out to him for for wanting to make a a, a long living series. But but yeah, I, I, they all jumble up for me. That's hilarious. Okay, so I've gotten confirmation from a producer that I could have been con contender is not from Rocky. So oh. scratch that on the <laughs> record. Uh, Jacoby, what's a movie like this for you that you just like missed? 
I ain't even gonna lie. I got so many of these uh, <laughs> that you know, like them classic Hollywood joints that people really be mm, gassing like Casablanca up. Casablanca and Ca- stuff. I, that's on my list. Yeah. Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, Sound of Music. Mm, Never oh seen none of them. Wow. Uh, Indiana Jones. I ain't called none of them <gasps> jabs. And, uh, and 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 Star Wars. I ain't seen none of them first wow. six joints. None of them. Never seen Star Wars. Nah, gee, I, I seen some scenes and I seen the last trilogy that they just dropped but now nah, i ain't seen none of them first six wow. all the way through never so can you what do you think star wars is about um <laughs> uh, i i think i understand it it does break down to like a very simple archetype yes, of like does. you know sort of uh savior like figure in luke uh, him and his sister are offsprings of one of the bad guys. Uh, you know, the universe is being occupied by tyranny. You got this force of good trying to come in with like the Jedi to stop things. From my understanding <laughs> of the newest series, they've been mostly wiped out um, and then re- and replaced with the, the new version of uh, the dark, the bad guys. And then James Earl Jones, right? You know, <laughs> I am your father. I I'm your father. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like you got it pretty much. Yeah, I mean right? that's it. You know, you figure. Yeah, you figure. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and then some, some Mace Windu. I, I know that. You know, but that's because it's Sam, Sam Jackson black ass. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. So one story that I found fascinating this week was actually it was from the L.A. Times. And the assertion they made was that apparently more young female pop stars are saying the word fuck in their songs, which is not something that I have actually noticed, but I love it very much. Um, Specifically, the author cites a new song by Gail called ABCDEFU. Let's listen to a little. Fuck you and your mom and your sister and your job and your broke ass car and that's just your car life. Fuck you and your friends that I'll never see again. Everybody but your dog, you can all fuck off. Atavia, was this on your radar at all? It was not. Like, I thought that swearing in songs had just kind of become the norm right now. But right. I, I get it not being in pop songs because, like, for a while, I felt like pop was known as, like, you know, this clean version of music that they mm-hmm. could play on the radio that, you right. know, they didn't have to make a kid's bop version of. Um, and now I think it's, uh, I guess, liberating for people to be like, you know what, I'm going to say fuck because <laughs> that's that's the word of the day right now. Uh, I was thinking about, like, how Beyonce didn't swear for, like, the longest time in her songs. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then I remember the first time I heard Beyonce swear, I was just like, wow, like, this is big. And I remember talking to other people about, like, Beyonce's just swearing a song. So, I mean, I felt like that was so long ago, but I guess now it's just kind of this, this new thing. It was not on my radar, though. That's hilarious. What about you, Jacoby? Is this something you picked up on? No, it's something that I completely missed. Uh, when when I think about like the young artists, you know, I think of people like Rico Nasty or, or Meg The Stallion. Those are kind of mm. the, the 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 women pop stars. I think about. I, I understand they, you know, they they hip hop stars. Uh, so you know, and I also grew up on like Lil Kim and Foxy Brown and Eve, and so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and so I it, I hadn't really been paying attention, but I do know that you know 
young women pop stars are obviously over scrutinized. People are constantly paying attention to right. when do they make a shift in, in how they dress or how they, mm. they choose to wear makeup or the the what they're talking about in their songs. So when I was reading it, I wasn't shocked at just how closely people are paying attention to this. It's almost mm-hmm. like, up oh, there's the first F bomb of their career. They're now <laughs> I don't know, does that make them like a, a, a teen or does that make them a young adult? I'm not sure what it signifies um outside of oh they're risque. Um but uh yeah it, it it's it's kind of wild that they're they're scrutinized to that level that people are paying attention when the first fuck seeps into their music that's that's pretty wild it is what i mean i i don't like i hate to throw the word patriarchy around uh, but you know is. i mean you know it's like i feel especially when i think about a lot of the like white pop stars from mm. when we were younger you know like your britney spears and even your like christina aguilera which like her version of being a bad girl was like maybe showing her belly button and wearing a lot of eyeliner <laughs> you know but like yeah, there's still like a inferred purity that was kind of required mm. of these extremely famous extremely young women that I think is really interesting to see new younger pop stars upending. Like, I think that's really exciting, actually, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it also uh, for like Ali and AJ, like I used to listen to them on Disney Channel when I was young. And I know they re-released like the potential breakup song and they dropped fuck in it. And I guess it's to show like, <laughs> oh, there are, there are women now. Like, you know, isn't that how people feel when they see Zendaya giving like them hard scenes and euphoria? Because I mean, she dropping it fuck like forty times in a scene, and people are just like, "This is the same person from Disney Channel." So it feels like fuck is also one of those devices to to announce to people like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I have I'm not playing by your rules anymore." <laughs> well, Atavia, Jacoby, thank you both so much for coming on. This was very fun. Yay! Thank you. Thank you so much, Greta. We'll talk soon. In just a minute, we check in with our resident epidemiologist about new mask mandates. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. How are you guys? Good. How are you? You sound pretty upbeat. Well, you know, it is morning. <laughs> <laughs> If you've been listening to Nerdette during the pandemic, you already know that voice. That is Dr. Emily Landon. She's our next guest today. She's an infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago, but we like to call her Nerdette's resident epidemiologist. She has been such a helpful guiding force over the past couple of years as we navigate all sorts of changing guidelines and advisories. And I don't even need to tell you, you know, you've been living through it. Now, this week, Hawaii became the 50th state to lift mask mandates. The CDC recently suggested that most people don't need to wear masks which for a lot of us is incredibly confusing. So last week we checked in with some of our followers on Instagram to see how they're feeling about all of it. And we heard a pretty interesting mix of words. We heard abandoned, hopeful, worried, excited, stressed the fuck out. Emily, how are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling okay. 
Okay. And, and that's coming from um, a person who I've, I'm on the record as saying this many, many times, you know, I'm in the immunocompromised category. And so the fact that I feel okay about this should be pretty reassuring for a lot of people. I think I'm reassured for right now, as long as I don't look too deeply into what sacrifices were made in order to create this reassurance and sort of pretty okayness that I'm feeling right now, which I'm sure we can talk about. And I don't feel awesome about the next wave. I don't think we're really prepared for that. But for, you know, right now, like, I think it's, it's pretty good. Okay. Wow. That's actually super reassuring. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying is, you know, uh, hospitalization rates are low enough, death counts are low enough, vax rates are high enough, community spread is low enough that like looking around and collecting those data points, you generally feel pretty okay about where things are at this moment in time. And that could change in the future, but like right now things are okay. Yeah, I do. And I want to, I'm going to give a little bit more context to that because I think it's important. Okay. So first of all, when it comes to people who are more vulnerable, so children under the age of five, immunocompromised individuals, people who are very old and maybe, you know, six months or so out from their booster, that sort of situation. So people who don't have as much immunity as regular old individuals with good immune systems who've had, you know, three vaccines. Mm -hmm. They are at a slightly higher risk of having a bad outcome if they get infected with COVID. But we have to remember that you need to get infected with COVID first. And when there are so few cases in the community and so little possibility for transmission. And let me let me say a word about that. There's Mm -hmm. so many people had Omicron and a lot of people got vaccinated. And because if you put those two together, we have a little bit of a sort of immunity right now. I don't want to say herd immunity because that implies it's going to last forever. It's probably not. It's going to wane over time. But for right now, we've got enough that there's kind of like this cushion. So when somebody gets COVID, um, they don't really have a lot of people they can transmit it to because a lot of people are sort of in good shape. And that means the cases are just keep going down. Now, if there's a new variant that comes that can overcome that immunity, or if our, you know, over time, our immunity will wane and then we're going to, it's going to be a different situation. But for right now, the likelihood that you're going to come in contact with someone that has COVID is pretty low. And so if you're one of those people and you're in a higher risk situation, then you should ask for people to wear masks or avoid higher risk situations and definitely wear a mask yourself. I'm still wearing my KF94 and N95 mask all the time when I'm in, in stores in with other people. I'm going to fly on a plane this weekend and I'm going to wear my mask the whole time, just like everybody else. I'm going to be glad that other people are wearing their masks, but um, you know, I'm not really quite ready to go out to eat in a restaurant until the cases are maybe below 25 per 100K per week in Chicago. Um, I'm not quite, you know, so I think there's some things that are definitely off the table right now that may have been on the table a couple of weeks ago, but now that nobody's masking up or fewer people are masking up, we have to be a little bit more careful. Um, But I think those things are going to come back on the table when the cases are even a little lower than they are right now. Interesting. So, yeah, speaking of masks, we heard from uh, Thoroughly Artsy Craftsy on Instagram who said they were feeling really anxious about this mask mandate lifting, especially because, you know, six to eight weeks ago, we were told cloth masks weren't good enough. And now we don't need them at all. Like, that is confusing. Well, it's first of all, I want to meet you. <laughs> right. It's a great Instagram handle. <laughs> Secondly, yeah, six to eight weeks ago, we were at the peak of an Omicron surge, but six to eight weeks before that, we didn't have any Omicron at all. So (laughs) Omicron just moves really fast. 
So just because you feel like a little whiplash, which we all feel a little whiplash from Omicron because it was just a lot all at once. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that, um, that the situation isn't a lot better than it was before. Now, I, I don't want this to go without saying that the cushion that we have right now mm-hmm. came at a really high price. And I don't think we should have paid that price. I don't think it was fair. Yeah. I don't think it was right. I think it was um, wrong of us not to do more in order to protect people from Omicron. You can't blame one single person, but it did come at too high of a price, but we have it. We've, that price has been paid. And um, now the situation is getting better. We have no patients in our intensive care unit with COVID today for the first time since wow. last year in uh, the summer. So like, it's really a lot better. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. We heard from a lot of parents of young kids who especially now are feeling a little abandoned and confused by the mask mandate lifting. I mean, uh, we heard from someone, Amy Bergerson, who wanted to know what about kids under five? Like, do yeah. we go in a back to normal or are we still masking up and, and waiting? You know, what what on earth? So I think if you're in any of those high risk categories, you really need to be still masking until, you know, and unless you're doing something outside or until the case counts are really, really low. Okay. Um, And so you're going to need to mask. And if you are the caretaker or a close contact of someone who's unvaccinated or who's high risk, you need to keep masking. But that mask needs to be just, you just need a good, strong mask. The, The fewer people that are masking, the more work your mask has to do. And so- fabric masks just aren't going to cut it right now. I would stick with, you know, a KF94 that fits nice and snug, a KN95 nice and snug or an N95 mask. And I think that includes for kids under the age of five. And I do think I I do have a problem with schools getting rid of mask mandates. I think for older kids where there's a better vaccination rate and kids have a little more say in their vaccines. Um, I think it's okay to go mask optional. They understand and they can take that responsibility on. But I think if you're talking about classrooms that have kids under the age of five, where they definitely can't be vaccinated, there's absolutely no reason why those kids should be unmasked in a classroom. Hmm. I know that people want their kids to be unmasked, but to be perfectly honest with you, there's no data that suggests that having masking in classrooms is detrimental to kids' development. Kids don't mind masking. For them, this is normal. And so just because what your definition of normal is, is not the same as what their definition of normal is. I would argue, you know, my definition of normal as what to eat is very different from what a four-year-old thinks is normal to eat. (laughs) My definition of, you know, bedtime is different than a four-year-old's bedtime normal. So like, it's okay. Yeah, that is a really helpful way of looking at it. I mean, what would you say, like, I was talking with someone who at this point, his kid is vaxxed. I think he's like seven. And his kid is one of the only kids who's still holding on to wearing a mask. Okay. And he's worried about like his kid, you know, being like the weirdo with the mask. Yeah, I would encourage talking to the teacher in that situation or to the school. If you need your kid to be masked for some reason or another, you know, there are a lot of stories out there and there are a lot of people out there who are sort of like, they're sort of mask ambivalent. They're like, I don't, I don't mind wearing a mask, but I also don't love wearing a mask. And so you know, I'll do either or. And I wonder if there aren't some kids in that class or some teachers in that school who are happy to be in solidarity with your kid who are willing to wear a mask just to make your kid feel like they're not alone. Hmm. And I know, I know that's the case because like my son is the the school, my son goes to, he's 13, is going to go mask optional in the future. And, um, 
you know, he actually talked to a bunch of his friends at school because he wants to keep wearing his mask. I've asked him to keep wearing his mask because of my safety. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said he talked to his friends and a lot of them are planning on keeping wearing masks because they just don't want the people that need to wear masks to feel alone. Hmm. You know, these are coming from 13 year old boys. So (laughs) who knows? Who knows what they're going to do in real life? But like, if you get 13 year old boys on board for doing this sort of thing, I think it's really important for parents to let go of any political leanings or political feelings that they've attached to a mask, especially when it comes to their kids. So yeah, going back to kids who are under five who can't be vaccinated yet, do you have any sense of when, I know there have been like a couple of delays in getting that vax out. Do you have a sense of what that timeline looks like now? So the important thing to remember is that the delays are not because the vaccine is somehow unsafe. It's because they picked, it's because the dose that they used, they wanted to avoid any side effects at all in these little kids because, you know, it's harrowing for parents to see their kids have side effects. Sure, yeah. And um, they wanted to avoid any side effects at all. And they probably picked too low of a dose. Mm. So this is pretty common in vaccine um, development, just to be clear. And um, a lot of vaccines are developed for kids. And this sort of not being 100% certain about what dose you can use in kids and wanting to proceed carefully is one of the reasons why it takes longer often for vaccines to be developed. Because when we're targeting the kids, we want to go low and slow. Sure. It's wise to let them work out an appropriate dose. I wish it was done before and they had protection through this Omicron wave that they didn't have, but they are less likely to have long-term consequences or bad outcomes from COVID. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, there is a lot less COVID around right now. So there's absolutely every reason to uh, go slow. So general takeaways are happy maybe- spring. <laughs> Yeah, really, though? I mean, happy spring? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it's really important that everybody remember to be kind and understanding. And honestly, if somebody says, hey, would you mind wearing a mask? I'm immunocompromised. Then do it. If you're going to a place where it's crowded, you're indoors, and you're in a small space, you know, maybe just be one of the people that wears the mask watch the numbers, you know, really what your goalpost should be as a human being. If you start to see the numbers increasing in your community, if you start to know people who are getting COVID, you should put your mask back on and you should encourage other people to put their mask back on and you should be prepared and have tests available. You know, if you haven't ordered four more tests from the government, you can now So you do that. There's four more free tests available and, you know, keep those stockpile those still consider, you know, testing if you're going to be in a closed space with a lot of people that are coming from different parts of the country. Just, you know, after travel, be wary and careful. Take a little extra precaution. Those sound like things I can do that aren't going to completely exhaust me, which is exciting. Yeah, you don't need to make 8 million decisions a day. Yeah. But it what we're talking about is, you know, just living your life over the summer and wait and see if something new is coming and you start hearing about cases, put your mask back on we can do that. This is so helpful, Emily. (laughs) Once again, I really appreciate you taking the time and offering some perspective. It's just, yeah, immensely useful. Happy to help.
All right, that's it for this week. Of course, if you want to keep in touch with us, you can do that in all of the places on the, well, not all the places on the internet. I guess that is a little strong, but we're for sure on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on both of those spots at Nerd at Podcast. And we also have a super sweet little Facebook group that's very fun. You can find that at facebook.com slash groups slash HQ or just search for Nerdette headquarters. It should pop up. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Our executive producer is Brendan Bamazak. We will see you next week. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.